In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a desire to love our neighbors well, to care for the most vulnerable among us, and to reduce the burden on the healthcare workers of our community, we have chosen to suspend in-person worship services for the time being and instead worship via podcast. We are still the body of Christ. We are still the people of God. Because the body of Christ and, and the people of God are animated by the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit bringing us together and Jesus being Lord over all of the earth, in these times, we worship together via podcast for the sake of one another. And the spirit of our living God brings us together. And we are grateful for that spirit of Christ this morning and grateful for one another. And to that end, I, I have two humble requests as we begin worship this morning. The first is, if you have come to be a, 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 a regular attender of First Baptist Church of Oregon City via our podcast worship services, um, please send us an email. Our email address is baptist.church at comcast.net. And you, you don't have to send us uh, you know, your your social security number and blood type or anything like that. Um, just just your name, where you listen from, whether it's uh, in Oregon, Washington, California, Ohio, um, you know, anywhere you happen to be uh, listening from, we'd like to know because it's it's nice to know where uh, where God's family is is joining us from. And if you are, our part, my, my second humble request is if you are, are a part of the, uh, the body of First Baptist Church of Oregon City uh, that, has been, uh, that has been gathering for quite some time, that was gathering uh, physically before COVID and has been uh, gathering via podcast and Zoom coffee hour and, and all of the other ways that we've been uh, getting together in these past several months, please reach out to somebody. Uh, please, please pick up the phone and call somebody uh, within, within the church. Call somebody and find out how they're doing. Ask, you know, what's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? Um, how can we lift each other up? Because this, this time of year especially, I've, I've said this before in, in weeks past, it's a little gray out. Uh, the thankfully the daylight hours are increasing very slowly, but we could all still use a little bit of encouragement. 
we could all use that, that personal connection. And even if you don't pick up the telephone to make a phone call, if that's not your thing, send a text message, write a letter, send an email, um, you know, do something to get in touch with somebody in a way that will remind them that they are loved and cared for by their brothers and sisters in Christ at First Baptist Church of Oregon City. One, uh, one announcement this morning is if you are listening to this before uh, 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on the 31st of January, 2021, uh, we will be having our church annual meeting at noon during the Zoom coffee hour. So we'll, we'll have a Zoom coffee hour uh, check-in from 11 to 11 or from 11:30 until noon, and then at noon we will begin our annual meeting, where we will share what God's been doing in the, our church over the past year, uh, what God is doing right now, and uh, some hopes and dreams of what God will be doing uh, in our future. We are glad you are worshiping with us this morning, and if there is any way that you are in need, if there is anything that we can help you with don't hesitate to get in touch with us. Again, our church email address is baptist.church at comcast.net. And we would love to reach out to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Let us bow before the Lord. Dear Father, we bow before you humbly to acknowledge your sovereignty in our lives. As we lift up our prayer request to you, Lord, let us seek your will to be done in our lives. We remember those who are ill and who are facing chemotherapy treatment. Be with them, Lord, as they face a time of struggle. Shower them with your love. We also lift up to you those family members who are taking care of the loved one. Give them strength and courage as they faithfully minister to them. We also lift up all the medical personnel responsible for their care. I ask that you guide them as they ascertain the best course of treatment. Many of us need prayer for concerns we have that are financial, relational, spiritual, or personal. I pray that we can rely on you, Father, God, and not feel that we are all alone and must come up with a solution all on our own. Help us to place our requests in your hands and to listen for the answer and to have faith that he knows what is best for us. Give us peace as we seek your presence. Be with our young church students as they seek you. It is not easy, and at times it can be a struggle during these days of uncertainty. May the Holy Spirit be their guide. Be with their leaders as they share the love of Jesus with them. Bless the programs of our church, especially our hope program, as we continue to be able to feed those who are hungry. Let our actions be a gift of love to those who are less fortunate. Father, let us remember that you are good every day. Your mercies are new. Though we consistently fall short and battle with sin, you never love us less. You made a way through Christ for us to come to you. There we find peace that surpasses all understanding, an inward peace that changes our outward appearance. Bless our lives with your peace. Let it permeate our thoughts, Holy Spirit. Remind us of the peace we have in Christ when we are struck, stuck with worries holding us captive. Every day may we lay down what burdens us in exchange for peace in our heart. Christ Jesus, you are with us always. Your Holy Spirit dwells in us and we in you. You never leave us or forsake us, and our peace comes from you. Let the peace living in us not stop with us, but shine in love all of the people you have placed in our lives. Despite what's happening in the world, we have a good plan. You have a good plan for our lives. Help us embrace peace when our lives threaten to come unwound or are attacked by circumstances out of our control. Let us embrace each day on earth as a gift and a privilege to love on others and embrace your blessings. Bring your word alive in our lives. Be with our pastor today as he brings us a message of when Jesus shows up in our grief. May the message be spirit-led. Open our hearts and our ears to receive the words of his message. May our podcast be a blessing to all those who hear it. In closing, my prayer is that we call upon the Lord in our time of sorrow. 
that you give us strength and will to bear our heavy burdens until we can again feel the warmth and love of your divine compassion. Be mindful of us and have mercy on us while we struggle to comprehend life's hardships. Keep us ever in your watch till we can walk again with light heart and renewed spirit. We thank you for your tender, loving care to all who call upon your name. In your precious name, amen. the Lord. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Some even said of Jesus, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on each side. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is Karen Cole, and I will be reading from the book of John, chapter 11, verses 17 through 37, from the New Living Translation. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. 
Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to pay their respects and console Mary and Martha on their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, when everyone else arises on resurrection day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she left him and returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Now Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house trying to console Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell down at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the other people wailing with her, he was moved with indignation and was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him. But some said, This man healed a blind man. Why couldn't he keep Lazarus from dying? In the 1950s, a woman named Joy Davidman went with her two sons from America to England. Because she was a writer and she wanted to seek the advice and wisdom of C.S. Lewis, who was at that time one of the, and still is, one of the preeminent Christian authors. And being that it was, it was a, a different time and, and the culture around fame and celebrity wasn't what it, what it is now, she was able to meet C.S. Lewis. And she was able to talk with C.S. Lewis. And uh, they developed a very good friendship and, um, and enjoyed writing with each other and, and talking with each other. And she fit right in with all of uh, Lewis's friends from Oxford University. But then the time came when her, uh, when her visa ran out and she was going to need to go back to the United States but her life was in England by that point, and her, her children were doing well in England at that point. And so out of convenience and, and to keep her in England, C.S. Lewis, who had been a lifelong bachelor up to that point, married Joy Davidman. In the mid-1950s, by 1956, when they got married, uh, a cancer was developing 
inside Joy Davidman. And if I'm remembering correctly, it was bone cancer. And as she was being treated for cancer, um, Lewis realized that his love for her was more than platonic. It was more than the love of a good friend, that he really and deeply cared for her in a, in a way that he did not think was possible for him. And so they were, were married in a Christian way to reflect this new love. In 1960, cancer finally took Joy Davidman. And in the pit of his grief, Lewis had four manuscript books and he wrote in them a book that we now have as A Grief Observed. It's a short book, it's not long, and it's not Lewis's normal writing. You can, the, the grief and, and how he's processing this through his immense faith comes through on every single page. This is not the Chronicles of Narnia. This is the Chronicles of a man who has struggled and fought through this despair with God. I want to read you a selection from the first, the first page. These are the opening words. No one ever told me that grief felt so like fear. I'm not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in the stomach, the same restlessness, the yawning. I keep on swallowing. At other times, it feels like being mildly drunk or concussed. There is a sort of invisible blanket between the world and me. I find it hard to take in what anyone says, or perhaps hard to want to take it in. It is so uninteresting, yet I want others to be about me. I dread the moments when the house is empty. If only they would talk to one another and not me. As we have spent nearly a year dealing with various aspects of, of life dealing with COVID, I notice more and more people are sensing, as Lewis says, that invisible blanket between the world and me. Let me read you a, a text message I received this week. And I, I do have permission to share this. This is, not, uh, this is not just me sharing a private text message. I got permission from the sender. This certainly is the season in the year for extra moments of feeling blue, but I feel in a state of grief of sorts, but can't pinpoint it to anything specifically. A lot of people that I've talked to, especially in the past week, feel this. A lot of people feel this disconnection. We, we remember a time when when we could see each other freely, when we, uh, when, when we weren't dealing with a global pandemic uh, that has killed millions around the world and uh, almost, if not over 425,000 people in the United States. And all of the precautions and, and all of the, the measures that we're taking uh, to preserve life are necessary 
That's not what I'm here saying today. But we know that things are not right. And as my therapist pointed out to me, we're all living with an increased level of stress that our baseline stress, the stress that we just kind of deal with on a, on a regular basis is much higher right now that everybody is kind of just stressed out already. And then anything else that happens seems a lot heavier to deal with. Whenever we are experiencing malaise, whenever we're experiencing the invisible blanket between us and the world, as C.S. Lewis put it, or a state of grief of sorts, but can't pinpoint it to anything specifically, as that text message I received this week said, it is spiritually helpful for us to name it. By naming it, we aren't admitting any lack of faith in Jesus. We aren't saying that God isn't good. We aren't saying that our lives have not been blessed. What we're saying is that there's something that's not right, and we need to say what that thing is. And I wonder, have you taken the time, if you're feeling this way, and maybe you're not, and if you're not, that's okay but you might someday. But if you're feeling this way right now, have you taken the opportunity to name it and to call it what it is? Because I think it's grief for a lot of us. We're, we're grieving what we know we should be living through, but instead we're living through this. When we come to scripture with our grief, this passage, is one of the, the best passages, I think, in all of scripture for dealing with and understanding human grief. Lazarus, a, a very good friend of Jesus, the brother of Mary and Martha, um, has died. He was sick, and Jesus knew that, that he was sick, and for reasons that the disciples didn't understand at the time, Jesus delayed in, in going to Lazarus. At the same time, <clears throat> Jesus's life had been under threat from people in Jerusalem. The, the teachers of religious law had their sights on Jesus, and he was nearly stoned prior to this passage. And the disciples were nervous about that. So already, by the time we get to verse 17, the disciples have gone with the attitude of, they even say, Let's go die with Jesus, because that's what they think is going to ultimately come of this, is that they're going to die together. They already have their grief. They already have their stress. And so we arrive at Bethany with Jesus in verse 17. And we see Mary and we see Martha. And they are both dealing with their grief in a very human way. And when we look at Mary and Martha, and when we look at this story, we see Jesus revealed here. Because even though there are big questions that you can ask about um, 
about grief and death and loss. And, and those questions are valid. We should be asking why. It's healthy to ask why. We also need to look for where Christ is revealed in this passage. And I will tell you where Christ is revealed in this passage and in our grief. Because Jesus is revealed by being present with us in the midst of our grief. Look at Martha. Martha comes to Jesus first and she comes out of the house and she meets Jesus. And she has a question, a, a very good question, a deep question that is, is kind of surrounded in a statement of faith and trust in Jesus. She says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And on one hand, that's kind of a, a question of, you know, Jesus, you could have stopped this. But it's also still expressing faith. It's holding these two things together because she said, you could have stopped this. And I have the faith that you could have stopped this. And she knows that the case isn't settled. She has the faith that God will do for Jesus, that, that Jesus can do a miracle here. And Jesus just simply says to her, your brother will rise again. And that is not the answer that Martha was looking for. Because Martha is, Martha is Jewish. And the Jewish belief about the afterlife or, or what comes next at that point was that at some point in history, <clears throat> God would call time, he would blow the final whistle, and he would, his presence would once again, he would live among his people, that he would purify the temple, that he would put uh, the Israelites back into power of their, their own land, that he would boot the, the Romans out, that the dead would be raised, and that the world would be, would be transformed so that the uh, the earth would be covered with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord. Um, it's, it's all there in the, the, the prophets, especially the later chapters of Isaiah. And Martha knows all this, but she has more questions. And she says like, yeah, you know, I, I know that's going to happen. Some people are, are a little bit more analytical than others. Uh, if you if you remember back to your school days, there's kind of like the the math and science people, and then the English and history people, and then there are the people who are just good at everything. And you go, come on, how can one person be so talented? It, it wasn't me. Um, I was not. I I was. If you couldn't guess, uh, I was the English and history type person. But there's the analytical people. They want, they want to know the mechanics of how, how things work. And Martha is one of those people. Martha wants to know what's going to happen. She has these big questions and she brings them honestly to Jesus. You don't see her kind of fiddling around or beating around the bush here. She comes straight to Jesus and brings the questions out of her place of grief. 
you may have a lot of questions. You may have a lot of emotions. Yes, I'm not saying that analytical people are robots and they don't have emotions. You may have questions and emotions, but bring those questions to Jesus. Don't hold them inside and let them destroy you. Don't allow them to dictate this, this divide that sometimes we think that asking questions might be uh, going against our faith, that, that asking questions might mean that we don't have faith in Jesus. You can ask Jesus your big questions. Jesus can handle it. In our grief, we want to know sometimes just what is going on. In these past few months, we've seen, we, we, have, we have missed out on weddings and funerals and social events and parties. And, and we've had Zoom Thanksgivings and Zoom Christmases and people might be Zoomed out. And we want to know from God, why? Why do we have to continue to wait through all of this? Why hasn't COVID been dealt with? You can ask your questions. And maybe your questions, maybe your grief is not all about COVID. Because as I said, that stress level, it's high. And things that would be difficult to, to deal with anyway are now even more difficult. And you may have big questions about health concerns. You may have big questions about mental health concerns. You may have lost somebody over the past year. And it just seems to hit harder, to slap differently than it usually does when you lose someone. God can deal with these questions because Jesus can deal with these questions. And he looks at Martha and he says, the dead will rise, but I am the resurrection. Jesus says, I am bringing new life into this. So Martha goes and he gets, she gets Mary and Mary goes out and with her go a community of mourners, people who had come to mourn with them. Um, and she goes away and they think that she's going to the tomb, but she's going to go see Jesus. So they follow her anyway. And Jesus is a little irked by this. He's not particularly happy that they are there and that, they don't get to have the same private moment that he did with Martha. But Mary just falls at Jesus's feet. You can, you can imagine, you can envision the tears in her eyes. You can imagine the grief on her face. You can imagine that she's been living off of her tears for days because her beloved brother is gone. And so she just falls at Jesus's feet. And we know that Mary is frequently at Jesus's feet. Uh, the first time they, that we meet Mary and Martha, uh, Jesus is at their home and Martha is uh, preparing the meal and Mary is at Jesus's feet. Later on, a, a chapter over, Mary will again go to Jesus's feet 
and anoint him with oil. And right now she falls at Jesus' feet in grief. And you may not be able to articulate your grief. You may be a mess of emotions. You may feel like you are a ghost in your own skin, that you're walking through the world thin and frail because the only reality that you can seem to acknowledge right now is this thing that's gone wrong. Or you may not be able to even fully name why you are grieving. It may be that you can't pinpoint it to anything specifically, but you grieve. You know that there's loss that you're dealing with. And Mary falls at Jesus' feet and says almost the exact same thing that Martha does. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And we fall at Jesus' feet and, and squeak out whatever we can possibly say. Because Jesus loves us. And Jesus has compassion on us. And Jesus was angry that he, he didn't have the same opportunity to deal with Mary the way that he dealt with Martha. And we don't know what Jesus would have said, but we know what Jesus did. And when Jesus meets us in our emotions, when Jesus meets us in this emotional response to grief, whether it's tears, whether it's anger, whether it's fear, whether it's just the collapse of, of everything that we do to keep our, our bodies going. Jesus meets us. And Jesus is present with us. He doesn't ignore Mary's grief. Instead, he goes and sits with her at the source of her grief. He goes and sits with her at the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead for four days. And they, they go and they sit at the tomb together. And Jesus weeps. He weeps because he knows the brokenness that death brings on humanity. He, know, he weeps because he knows that even though he will raise Lazarus from the dead, that Lazarus will die again. He weeps because he knows that death has to be defeated. And even though he knows he will defeat it, he knows that it takes a terrible toll on humanity. And so he weeps. And he sits with Mary in her grief. And we look at what he does for both women. He acknowledges Martha's questions. And then he offers his life. His life as the resurrection. He acknowledges Mary's grief and he's present with it. And he sits with it. Knowing what he's about to do. And that's what we have to do when we grieve. We have to bring it to Jesus. There's no other way through it. 
you 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 can't fix it you can't we can't bring the dead back to life we can't single-handedly all by ourselves fix the situation that our world is in but we can bring ourselves to Jesus and be honest with our grief can we say that we've been honest with Jesus about our grief can we say that we've been honest with Jesus about our anger can we say that we've been honest with Jesus about this malaise that we feel but have a hard time putting a name on bring your questions bring your emotions just bring them to Jesus Jesus loves you and cares about you and Jesus is in he is the resurrection he is the life and Jesus is bigger than covid or cancer or or sickness Jesus is bigger than anxiety, depression, eating disorders. Jesus is bigger than Jesus's love is greater and Jesus is Lord. And Jesus is in the business of bringing new life from hopeless situations. It may not be always in the way that we imagine. We may be surprised sometimes by what Jesus does in response to our grief. But Jesus is present with us in the midst of our grief. He listens to our questions and responds with his spirit. He sits with our grief and responds with new life. At the end, of this passage some people say see how jesus loved him other people say well he healed the blind couldn't he raise lazarus from the dead and the passage that we read this morning doesn't end with lazarus coming out of the grave and that's intentional sometimes we have to wait for new life Noah had to wait 40 days in the ark. Lazarus had to wait in the grave for a while. And Jesus himself would be in the grave in, in what had to have been a very dark period for the disciples. We don't always understand why we have to wait for new life, but sometimes we do. And I can't put an easy bow on it. And I can't tell you exactly how everybody gets through grief. But I can tell you that the person who goes through it with you all the way is Jesus Christ. Jesus knows our grief. He knows our sadness. He knows that new life is coming. And even as he sits with our grief, He's making the way for new life to happen. But we're honest with Jesus about our grief. We're honest with our questions and our emotions. 
And then we trust that Jesus is going to lead us. Because on the other side of the tomb of Lazarus was life. And on the other side of the cross of Christ was the resurrection. But sometimes that period of waiting seems really intense. And sometimes it seems really long. And when it does, there's Jesus. And when the night seems dark, there's Jesus. And when it doesn't seem like anything is ever going to get better, there's Jesus. And when you don't know how to say what it is that you're grieving over, when you don't know how to say what it is that's bringing you down, and when you don't know how to remove the invisible blanket between you and the world, there's Jesus.
our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Jesus said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus said, Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things both in heaven and on earth. Mercifully hear the supplications of your people, and in our time grant us your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We thank you for joining us today for worship. If thinking about dealing with grief has, um, has stirred up some things within you uh, that you need to talk to somebody about, um, you have two options. Uh, one is you can get in touch with a, a follower, a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Maybe somebody that you know who has walked the road of grief with Jesus get in touch with them, ask them where Jesus showed up in their grief. But also feel free to get in touch with the church. Our website is onebaptistchurch.org and you can send us a message there. Uh, the church phone number is there. Uh, 
That's the number one, baptistchurch.org. And you're welcome to get in touch with us and we'll gladly reach out to help you deal with your grief. We are the people of God and we are uh, here for each other and for the sake of the world. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in song. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham and the First Baptist Church readers for our creative scripture readings this morning. I'd like to thank Karen Cole for reading our uh, scripture passage of the day uh, for the sermon. And I would like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.